Attention, if you're an eastern whitetail hunter with dreams of hunting elk, antelope, or mule deer out west, but are overwhelmed with the knowledge gap, look no further than Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class features professionally produced courses taught by the world's leading outdoor experts and can be consumed on your phone, computer, or TV. Visit OutdoorClass.com and start the process of making your hunting dreams come true. Use discount code EMPIRE20 at checkout for 20% off. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Get him! Get him! Yeah! Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Yeah, this is pretty tough to release this podcast. This last week on February 7th, I got a message, text message that my good friend and um, fellow houndsman, Larry Anderson, passed. Larry was um, one of those guys that really made an impact on my life, and... um, it's a sad deal that he passed so young. It was unexpected. And um, I just want to 
pay tribute to my friend Larry Anderson and no telling blue ticks. He lived in Gibbonsville, Idaho, originally from the Flathead Valley of Montana. He's a professional guide and um, built a pack of blue tick hounds that were no doubt the real deal. In fact, last year at the APA Breed Days in Greenville, Tennessee, some guys were talking and they were asking if they, if I had ever seen blue ticks that could perform on bear and lions. And without hesitation, I said, I know where there's a pack. And they were Larry's. I spent hours and days with these dogs and with Larry in the Rocky Mountains catching bears and blue ticks. And I think it's just fitting that a guy that dedicated so much of his life and his time and his passions that we play, pay tribute to him. Larry wasn't just a friend of mine. I we we worked together in the Flathead Valley and and um, got into the construction business together there for a summer. And I basically, well, I did. I lived with him and his family for about two and a half months. His wife Jamie and her parents. Um, it was a great time. We've logged thousands of miles on the road together. And um, I just feel like we need to pay some tribute to a good friend of mine and celebrate Larry's life. This is a podcast that he and I recorded on an actual bear hunt. It's live action. It's right from the front seat of the truck while we were hunting. And um, it was originally released a couple years ago. But I just want to put it out there again. Larry's one of those guys that um, I think he probably have more best friends <laughs> than anybody I know. He he um, he was just that kind of guy. We met through Gary Robertson of Carnivore TV. I'd, I'd sent a message to to Gary and asked him about who had some blue ticks that, that were really turning the crank on, on big game. And Gary just immediately referred me to Larry and I dropped him a message. I found him on Facebook, dropped him a message. And before you know it, we've got a hunt scheduled ne never meeting each other. Now, mind you, we had a hunt scheduled in Condon, Montana, I can't remember, three years, four years ago, five years ago. I can't remember how long ago it was now. But our plan was to meet at a cabin and uh, hunt from this cabin in Condom, Montana. Our, our wives both bailed and said, no way, I am not going. We have no idea who who you're meeting here. But, but Larry and I met up, and, man, I'm telling you what, from there the magic started. And um, it was just a bond between Larry and I that that um, has been pretty unique in my life. He, I, I can pick up the phone and say, "Hey, you want to chase bears in Arizona?" And I would drive twenty hours that way. That way, and and he would drive seventeen hours from where he was at. And we'd meet up in, in Arizona and chase bears. 
no questions asked. It was just an opportunity. And um, I just saw Larry a couple weeks ago. I, I called him and said, hey, I've got some, some uh, seats available at the American Bear Foundation. He drove through a blizzard or at least treacherous winter road conditions. I'm not going to say a blizzard. That's over-dramatizing it. But he did drive through treacherous road dis- conditions to get to Cody and um, to spend some time with me. I got to see him a couple weeks ago. It was a great time. We went through the uh, Buffalo Bill Museum there in Cody and attended the banquet together and and drank some yellow bellies, as he calls them, yellow bellies, Coors Banquet beers together. And um, the deal with the deal with Larry is like you didn't have to take care of that relationship every day. You know, there wasn't any drama. We could go a month or so without talking, and we just pick up like like we always did. And uh, if you didn't listen to this podcast the first time it was released, I hope you'll take some time and listen listen to this one. This one's for you, Larry. Until we meet again, buddy. We'll keep them in the woods down here. Keep them tuned up. You scout that hunting ground on the other side for us and i'm not carrying a bunch of bait from that damn jawbreaker that you thought you got a good deal on we'll see you on the other side in this episode of the houndsman xp podcast we are taking you to the mountains of idaho we are going to put you in the truck with us as we cruise the mountain roads hoping for a rig strike or to find that bear track. We are black bear hunting spring time in the Idaho mountains. And I've got with me an epic houndsman, Larry Anderson. And we are going to talk about his no telling blue ticks. As you listen to Larry's story, there will be no mistaking his passion for hounds and hound hunting and living the houndsman lifestyle. Larry absolutely demonstrates extreme performance in hounds, and that's what makes him such a great fit for the Houndsman XP podcast. But Larry's become a very good friend of mine, and uh, you're going to get an opportunity to ride along with us and just listen to those conversations that happen as we drive around and listen, uh, look, look and listen for that rig strike. So you're going to really enjoy this. It's real time. It's going to be, uh, there's a lot of surprises in this one. So I want you to sit back and enjoy this conversation that we're going to have. Well, yep, you're going to get a little bit of feedback in it just because the connections are bouncing around a little bit. I'm not sure. And I think our Garmin's um, interfere a little bit and gives us that little bit of, that little blip, blip. Oh, yeah, I can, I can hear that little blip. Yep. But yeah, we're like flying the space shuttle through Idaho right now. A little zippity doodah. Got the headsets on. We're not too far from the snow, so hopefully we can cut a track. I don't I don't know what that little blip is. I don't know what you, that is. You think it's from the GPS output? I can move it maybe. Well, I don't know. But it ought to pe- keep people awake. <laughs> You know, they drive people drive people nuts. Yeah, like what in the tarnations are them guys doing out there? That's right. So we're cruising through 
a place in Idaho that we're not going to talk about where we're at because we don't want to see every other hound dogger here. We're all about people coming out and hunting and supporting hound dogging and all that stuff, but they need to find someplace else to do it, right? <laughs> no tell them, Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're with Larry Anderson, and uh, Larry has... Uh, I've known you for a couple of years now, but we've we've learned to tolerate each other pretty well, I think. Oh, yeah, we get along pretty good. Yep, yep. No, Man, that a, is just driving me crazy, that little bleep, bleep, bleep. It seems like it's going faster. It's like an old telemetry box or something. Oh, no. <laughs> We're, yeah. you running, are you running beep, beeps? Uh, no, no more. I think there's a power surge in our thing here so just hang in there because i think this is going to be a pretty good podcast we're actually we've got dogs collared up and they got their heads hanging out it's a pretty crappy day it's too too crappy to work so we went bear bear hunting yeah i can't work in the rain and snow but i could definitely go bear dogging in the rain and snow right right so we're just i don't know it's probably the bears aren't going to be moving real good but uh i got a feeling if we get up above six thousand feet we'll get into snow and Nothing else may hopefully find an old track that we can work or something, but right, this, you never know. If you don't, if you don't go, you definitely ain't gonna get them. So yeah. Uh, so just give her, see what happens. You're not gonna treat him sitting on the couch in the cabin, that's for sure. No. Hopefully we don't end up with too much of a rodeo because I forgot the tire chains. It's summertime, so we wouldn't really think you'd need them. But summertime when we're going up into the snow. It's kind of spitting snow right now. I was up on the pass this morning. It was over six inches of snow. So I imagine once yeah, we get up here, we'll be into the same. <laughs> you you tried to go to work. I tried to go to work. Yeah, you tried to go to work and just, you know, hey, you can only do so much. Yeah, I mean, the pass wasn't even plowed. I threw it in four wheel to get up on top. And then I was just like, yeah. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, how much how much effort did you actually give it? I mean, when when a guy when a guy's a a bear hunter in Idaho and kind of look for excuses not to go to work, don't you? I always look for excuses not to go to work. No, we Especially got little, in bear season. We got a little gate here. Yeah. Let me we'll jump. Let me jump out and get this. Sing my song while I'm getting this gate. <laughs> uh. Let's see here. Hopefully he knows how to open a gate. Wrong side. Yeah, he's got her going now. He's like a real cowboy opening a fence. Well, I don't know what I just ran over, but hopefully nothing important. Oh, Chris, he's like a like a real cowboy opening and closing gates. Look at him go. Well, I locked him out in the rain. Man, Chris, you're like a like a real cowboy. I'm just not riding in the middle. We need uh, if I was riding in the middle, I'd be like the real cowboy. 
That way you don't have to get the gate. Yeah. Man, I don't know what that I don't know what that bleeping is. Let me let me un, let me unhook just here, here just a second. Man, we're getting interference bleed over for something that's uh that's causing us a little bit of headaches here. But uh let's just roll with it and put up with it, I guess. So um How long you been? How long you been? You're, you've lived in Montana. You lived in Montana your whole life, right? Yeah, yeah. Born and raised Montana, Northwest Montana. Uh, yep. Finally, finally got out of there and moved to Idaho. Right. Yep. Why'd you move to Idaho? I think that's an interesting story. For bears, <laughs> bear dogging, a lot more hunting opportunities. There's a lot. It just seems like there's a lot more freedom in Idaho than there is in Montana anymore. You grew up there, so you know I'm, we've had this discussion off the podcast. But it's hard to leave leave your home and and move your family. And no, it it is. But sometimes you just got to do some changing, do something different. You know, so. Uh, yeah, my is still good in a lot of ways, but I think for me and what Jamie and I do and like to do, it just makes more sense to be in Idaho. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so, um, but yeah, just like it, enjoy it. Yeah, I think we ought to do. I think we ought to do a little contest with this this bleeping. The the first person that sends us how many bleeps, how many of these little bleeps we get in a minute. I'll send them something like a window decal or something. This is just hang in there and see how long into the podcast this thing lasts. But daggone, I don't like it much. But yeah, I mean you're 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 transferring over here. You you found your place in Gibbonsville. Tell me what you said about it. Oh, it's it. I just it's just real pretty. There's no hardly no people, and it's uh, pretty awesome. There's no cell phone service. There's no can't pick up a radio station. There's there's nothing but beauty here. So, uh, how are you going to keep up with your social media profile, Larry? I mean, you're you're uh, a high profile guy. There's I a got, mule deer buck. Yeah, nice muley buck. Well, I gotta I gotta go to town and work, so I mean, can, I can check on make sure social media is still alive. <laughs> uh, it's actually nice. I mean, you get home and relax and just sit on the porch and eat your New York steak and listen to the crick roll and. And, you didn't uh, just say New York steak, did you? Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to find a ribeye around here. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, sometimes you got to take seconds, you know? Yeah. But, uh, no, it's just it's just peaceful. I mean, I just I finally found, like, a place I can really call home, you know? like. That's what you said that stuck with me is I found some place I could call home. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's wicked pretty. It reminds me a lot of the little town I grew up in, only Montana. About 20 miles north of Whitefish, and it's beautiful up there too. And you get, you know, big old timber, and you get a lot of snow in the winter. And that's where we broke Gary Crow. That's where we broke Gary Crow. Yep. We told that story in a previous podcast about breaking Gary Crow. But uh, yeah, that was a wild ride. 
Yep. Yeah, man, that's a crazy day anyway. I mean, it was just freaking the, – the ice was so bad. When you guys brought the – I was on the epic trash race recovering <laughs> dogs and on foot. And I uh, thought, well, heck, I'm just going to walk them down to the trucks. And then I hear the side-by-sides coming with tracks on them on that – it was like a, f- a hockey rink coming down that thing. Yeah, you guys are fishtailing coming down the ice. The weather's The weather sucked in Swan this year. Yeah, I know. It was uh, rain and freeze and rain and freeze and icy and lack of snow and no lack of wolves. It made it just it made it a pretty dang tough on like uh, just pretty rugged. But that's how it goes. It's cat yeah. That's just how the, I mean, especially cat hunting, you're kind of in the, you know, it's all about weather. And then it's. You know, when the wolves are wicked, wicked thick, you can't you can't really just road and hope for the best because the amount of wolves in that country is unlike probably anywhere else in the world. I mean, they're uh, unbelievable thick. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, and so this trail we're on right now is making my butthole pucker up pretty good. <laughs> It's barely a two-track road, and it's only probably a three or four hundred foot drop off the off the driver's side. I've got one hand on the door handle right now. Well, it's basically you were just driving across the rock slide. Yeah, basically that's that, that's what we are doing is driving across the face of a rock slide right here, which the rock is good because it gives us pretty good traction. You know, it's, as long as the rocks don't slip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. I, I want to see you do that that thirty-two point turn right there on the face of that rock slide. I'll I'll get out up here and watch you do it, yeah. and let me get those two plots out of there too. Yeah, probably ain't gonna happen. <laughs> this is one of those roads you just keep go forward and you just keep going forward because you're not gonna back up or turn around. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so the wolf situation in the Swan this year, I mean, we talked a little bit about it. It seems like we're always talking about wolves when we're talking to Western hunters, but, you know, how the wolves changed, changed hunting and especially how, well, let's just talk about how they've, they've changed hunting in general in the West. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, like in Northwest Montana, it used to be pretty much the best of the West. I mean, we had more mountain lions and and bobcat and elk all over and deer and i mean the whitetail deer was unbelievable i mean giant giant whitetails i mean stuff like you see that comes out of you know ohio and illinois and all that kind of country but they're all indiana don't leave indiana out they're all, yeah they're all yeah public land deer i mean just right, i mean absolute giants i mean if you go if you're ever in kalispell go to the sportsman ski house and see the bucks they got mounted i mean those, those deer were not uncommon you know, 180-inch whitetails. I mean, just absolute giants. And I mean, it's hard to even just get an antlered buck anymore in that country. The wolves have just dominated. And you know, when I was a kid, you know, like South Fork of the Flyhead was just crawling with elk. I mean, it was amazing. And if you even hear an elk bugle or even see an elk track, it, you know, it's like you just hit the lottery. Right. You know, it's pretty pretty poor. You know, and then. You used to be able to just turn out on two, three old lion tracks and not even worry about it, you know. And now you find a lion track that's 20 minutes old, and then you spend the next three hours making a loop around it and hoping the heck that wolves didn't cross into the little wood block you're trying to hunt. And 
Because it don't take long to get dogs smashed by wolves. I mean, we turned out on a line track that was maybe a half an hour old at the most, and dogs made it 700 yards off the road, and wolves come in and start killing dogs. And uh, it was a pretty sad day. My buddies lost dogs. My, mine made it some for some reason. but And, you know, I hunt with my friends, and their dogs are like family to me too, so... Were they lagging? Were they were they just lagging behind? What, what no, kind, what no. Kind, what kind of dogs was your buddy hunting? Uh, Cameron Blue Ticks. Yeah, see, that's why. That's why, because your dogs were so far behind. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. It's just it's sad, you know. And you know, everybody puts all the time into these dogs, and to come up on them, eating alive like that within seconds of turning out is. I mean, it was a hot smoking track and brand new snow. It just had quit snowing like half hour, 40 minutes before, you know. So, I mean, the, I mean, it was just a roar and ra- race, you know. And then all of a sudden, just wolves come in and start killing dogs. And we thought we were in the clear. And there hadn't been any wolves in that area for a long time. And they moved in, like, obviously, during the storm or something. I don't know if we just had a head-on collision, but... Uh, Anyways, it, it's something you can't unsee. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, and I think that's what, um, you know, the, the, the whole, anybody that's not a houndsman, that's what we're trying to do here is bring more exposure to houndsmen. And I don't think people understand how much these dogs mean to us. And we see a lot i see a lot of good stuff coming out of social media now it used to be you saw a lot of stuff that made you cringe about about things guys were putting on social media but i've i've seen an upswing on it i think the i think the hound the the hound hunting community's finally figured out that we can't we can't we got to change we got to change the image and and we're not putting enough stuff on there about what hounds mean to us and i mean what how would you have felt if you'd get your dog smashed that day i know how you feel about your dogs larry i mean you probably keep you keep as good a care as anybody i've ever seen of your dogs and and your wife jamie it's a family project how would you have felt if you'd have got dogs smashed that day oh i'd have been devastated i was devastated just my friends losing dogs you know yeah i mean like i said we hunt together and we're all friends and you see those do- same dogs growing up, doing better. So yeah, it's uh, pretty rugged. Yep, yep. We're in the snow now, so we're going to be finding a bear track here. But oh, uh, still, it's snowing pretty good. But hopefully, hopefully there's a bear on the move someplace, mm-hmm. so we can either rig one or find a track and a cold trail and get one up and rolling, maybe or who knows. You've got an old bait bait site that you're in up here for years so you've hunted this this how long you hunted this country we're in right now um about four oh we're gonna have to get the freaking chainsaw out get chainsaw out you're using it too i offered to stop and buy a chain yeah it's it could cut butter with that thing maybe (laughs) it's pretty uh i think it hit some rocks last time or something yeah it doesn't take long man you touch a rock with a chainsaw and it's over yeah, no, I right, don't get, sharpen them. Let's get this thing. Listen to our beeps. Listen to our interference beeps. We'll be right back.
Where's my space controls? We have liftoff, Houston. Holy, temperatures are dropping. 34 degrees, 9 o'clock. Yep. All right, we're back on the move. Breathing like a, I need to stop eating, eating so many Twinkies or something. Yeah, Jamie needs to quit making me so many cookies. Getting fat. I'm glad we didn't have to cut that out of the way. Well, I've done that one time already. Yeah. Is that your is that your work right there? <laughs> yeah. Is it really? Yeah. The whole the tree was so huge. I hooked on with my truck and winch, got it turned, and then yeah, it was a nightmare. Yeah, that sucker was like two and a half feet across its stump. Yeah. No. You no, didn't was... do it with that chainsaw. You got in the back. I no, know that. No, no. I, I didn't <laughs> do it with a little mini horse. No, I bought a real chainsaw for that deal. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I know it's. Uh... So tell me about this line of blue ticks you're hunting, and and uh, well, let's let's start out. And let's let's go back and talk about how you and I met, because I think that's kind of a funny story in a lot of ways. But uh, I I was talking to Gary Robertson, and uh, Gary Robertson referred me to you. That's what two and a half three almost three years ago yeah. now yeah probably we like started talking ago. yeah and just talking blue ticks and and uh talking hounds and and then before you know it we're never met each other and and set up this hunt in the swan valley at this cabin that i found on vrbo and we invited our wives to go remember <laughs> yeah they're like, hell no, I'm not going. I don't, I've never met these. How do you know they're not going to, he's not going to murder you up in the mountains? <laughs> Just met some guy on social media. We're going to meet in the middle of nowhere where nobody's going to know if something yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, no way. Our wives were a lot, they were smart. We're like, oh, it's a hound dogger. I'm going. Yeah. A good opportunity here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, Lord hates a coward. Let's That's right. That's just, right. Let's just give her. Yeah, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. But no, it was a. Well, you brought backup with you, and and you brought Scotty, Scotty Parker, Scotty Too Hotty. Yeah, Scotty's he's a good kid, man. He's a lot of fun to be around and hunt. He's he uh, he took the hounds and hound hunting like ducks to water. He, he hadn't been hound he hadn't been hound hunting that long. How long? Four or five years? Yeah, four or five years. Like he's always kind of wanted to go, but nobody ever take him, and then. I told him, I said, oh, I'm going lion hunting. I'm going to leave at 2 in the morning. And if you're here at 201, you're going to miss the boat. And he was there probably 15 minutes early. And he goes, would you really left me? I said, yep. I said, if I, if I set a time, it's a time. And then I just go. Yeah. So, and, but no, he's he's been a force. He, uh, he definitely, definitely is into it and loves to go and loves to watch the dogs. He. Don't ever care to shoot anything or harvest anything. And he, and he's he's a hard charger too. I mean, oh, he's he'll a, break trail. He'll yeah. He'll, I, I mean, he'll do whatever you need him to do. And uh, yeah. you don't need to drive. Hey, you really don't. We can move that. 
Oh, I can drive around. Oh, hell, Larry. I got, th- I got another three. Don't freaking drive around that son of a gun. I got three inches. No, you don't. <laughs> Get your ass back. We'll be winching this son of a bitch off this freaking mountain. Yeah, we might be anyway. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that part out. Uh, hang on. We'll be right back. We are still alive, and we're <laughs> we are uh, we're not out of this one yet. So this is what is exciting about hunting with Larry Anderson. So here goes the chainsaw. We're going to cut this out of the way, and then we're actually going to have to uh, we're going to have to winch in front of the truck back up on the road. So it's real greasy up here. Oh, here here's this here's this epic battle with this with the seal. MS-21 with a sloppy, dull chain. He's going to pinch us all. Oh, heck yeah. Move that saw back and forth. It cuts better when you're, you know, doing the cross-cut chainsaw. Oh, he's got her. All right. So let me get off here and give him a hand. So now we're going to run the winch out of here, putting on the gloves, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I need a winch cable. Yep.
Anybody time us? Yep. Well, you're trying to give me the whole Western experience right there. Oh, yeah, hang out with me. You're going to get a Western experience, I promise. That, that wasn't bad. No. Not as, that was that was just another day in the life. There's a, there's a reason they put airbags in these trucks. There's a reason why they put seat belts in them too. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, I'm not sure where we were at before I about went off the mountain, but yeah, I don't either. But the L we were talking about Scotty, you know, pulling his weight and and. Uh, that's important when you, you're hunting in conditions like, and this is really pretty mild. I mean, it's not, it's treacherous, but I mean, it's not. Oh, it's not bad, but no. yeah, Scotty, he's, he's the houndsman. Like if you're ever in a pinch and you're in trouble, he's going to come, he's going to get you, he's going to find you. Yep. Yep. You know, no, no joke. And he, it don't matter how big the mountain is, he'll, he'll conquer it, you know? Yep. That's important to have in a, in a hunting partner. Oh, man, yeah. Like, there's no doubt that he'll be there. Yeah. I've been through a few hunting partners over the years, and, you know, guys that I, there's, there's a, I like hunting with a lot of different people, and um, there's just, uh, once you find somebody that you can depend on, you got to foster that relationship, that's for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. But anyway, Scotty Scotty shows up to the cabin, and I'm like, "Who is this hippie?" <laughs> so he's got this he's got this you know beard and and uh, ponytail, and and I'm like, "Wow, you know, here we go." <laughs> and then it was just uh, it was just a good time from from there on out. I mean, he got out la out of the truck laughing, and I don't think we quit laughing until we left. Yeah, I know. He's he's a lot of fun to be around, and just you know, like you look at him, he looks like like you said, like this crazy hippie or something. But yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't do drugs. He don't drink. He but he just he, he's addicted to the hounds, you know. He's he's addicted to his family too. Yeah, you yeah. know his 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 kids and yeah, he's a good family man. Yep, yep. I mean, he's just got a lot of got them tw twin little boys, man. They. They're wild little guys. Is he? Are they hunting with him yet? No, they're big enough. They're five, six, maybe now. Uh -huh. uh, I'm sure. Like, oh, it's coming. Yeah, no, it's coming. They're they'll be going. Yeah. All of his, you know, his girls, his older girls. They've they've all been to trees and whatnot. And, but. Yeah, yeah. So t tell us about your family. Oh, it's just Jamie Nine Briar, a boy in the Marine Corps. Yeah, he's not a boy. No, nah, I ain't a boy no more. <laughs> no, I. I got to, I got served with some of those mountain bred Marines, and uh, it they got a different energy to them as far as uh, the way they approach things and and do things, and you can depend on them. They there's nothing that they they can't do, and that's what I love about this Western culture is it's you guys are remote, and you know just like that right there, that's a what we just did winching the truck out you know that's can be a bad day for for a 
people back in my area, right. you know. And for you, it's just like another day. Yeah, it's just another day on the on the hill. Yep. But those those mountain bred Marines are are just tough as pine knots and can go all day and and you know little things that that are a problem to other people just don't seem like they're that big a deal. Right. No. I, well, you grow up cutting firewood and bucking hay and fixing fence and yep, yep, digging hound dog trucks out of snow ditches and banks that you shouldn't have never been. Like this grave we're getting ready to go up right now. I'm not sure we'll even make it, but actually maybe I should put it in four low. It's kind of rugged. But it's all warm and muddy. Been raining, raining. Now it's got four or five inches of snow on top. So We don't have to go up here if you don't want to. Oh, yeah, we'll be all right. Got insurance. Good insurance, I hope. Oh, yeah. Don't want to be telling the story the day you broke Chris Powell. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. So we're spinning all four tires now. Huh. Maybe we won't make it up the hill. There's a trail that goes down, isn't there? Oh, yeah. There's a good bear crossing up here, though. They like to go through, but I don't know that we're going to make it. Especially since somebody forgot the tire chains. Yep. I took mine out. for I, You know, when I left Indiana, I thought, oh, I'm not going to need chains. <laughs> and then I get out of here and we get into this. And, and uh, just another day in Idaho at 6,000 feet. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we might be able to hit her a few times hard, but I'd, then we're going to have to come back down off of it after I muck it all up. So The going up the going up usually doesn't. There goes a mirror. Yeah, the, oh. the old Tundra. Did that break it? No, you're good. It's, no, cool. it's, it's, a, it's a Larry Anderson breakaway mirror. My wife's probably already got an extra one someplace. <laughs> She she buys the tip turn signals for me. Yeah, yeah, by the, by the pallet, I think. <laughs> I, think I, I think I changed out six taillights last year. Yeah, Let's ba backing into stuff or my ass in sliding over and smashing into stuff. And yeah, yeah. And let's let's talk about Jamie a little bit because Jamie Jamie, she's just awesome. I mean, she uh, she makes sure we're fed and. Oh yeah, no. She she feeds, likes feeds us too much all the time. Yeah, everything from like the best breakfast burrito you ever you ever tasted to huckleberry pies to oh yeah, huckleberry pies are amazing. And then cookies, I mean the best cookies ever. But man, she's and not only that, but she's she's a nursemaid to how many puppies right now? Well, uh, we got nine pups she's nursing and playing with right now. And and uh no she's handy she good at sewing hounds back together and fixing and mending them and, and uh she, i don't know how or why but she puts up with me so that's pretty cool and she puts up with me when i come out <laughs> she puts up with me coming out and just dragging you off and and uh yeah and then she likes to hunt too that's oh, a cool no, thing yeah she loves to hunt she loves to hear the dogs roar she killed a she killed a whale of a mule deer this last year. 
Yeah, no, she shot a Magnum, 31 and a half inch mule deer, just an absolute giant. It was a beast. Yeah, no. man, it's it's what you know, it's what the people dream of, the kind of deer people dream of shooting. Oh yeah, I, like I kind of jealous of Poppy I'd never get a deer like that in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, she did good and we we hunted hard and I mean put definitely put the days in, but that mirror's kinda bad shape. But can't see out of it or what? Nope. Here let me I I think I got it. Let's see. Oh. Maybe it don't Oh no, I got the wrong side going. Yeah, I break everything. There we go. You're back at it now. We're back at it. We're back. All right. We have we have the space shuttle back in motion. It's wicked pretty right now, man. It's the snow the snow's hanging off of the the evergreen trees and piling up on this. What do you guys call this fence? Jack pine. Jack pine fence. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of stuff that you guys do out here that uh, makes a lot of sense. I was telling you earlier, you know. I was going to build fence like this at home just because we've got a lot of shelf rock and it's just hard to hard to drive posts or uh, or dig a hole. So let's talk about your blue ticks. Why do you, you've been in? I think that's an. I and I hear I hear you know it seems the thing that I hate is houndsmen that they pigeonhole or they stereotype different breeds of hounds especially you know hounds that that they're close-minded about about the ability of dogs based on their colors and i've seen your blue ticks in action several times and anybody that says blue ticks can't can't catch game haven't hunted with with the blue ticks you're hunting so what kind of uh tell us a little bit about them larry how you got started in blue ticks and well, I mean, I, I was just thought they were pretty, you know, a long time ago. But um, I just heard about uh, Dennis Upson in northern Wisconsin. He runs uh, Old Vaughn and Smoky River Dogs, and he put 40 years of his life into making bear and bobcat dogs. And so he got got a couple and tried them out, and man, they worked good. And, and, uh, What'd you like about them? Uh, they're cold, cold nose, and they're uh, fast track dogs, and stay put tree dogs, honest tree dogs, um, great rig dogs, smart, wicked smart. They figure out unravel bobcat tracks and all the kitty cat games that kitty cats like to play, and um, they're gritty enough to stick and hold and, and do the things that a, you know like a bear dog needs to do, and. and uh, so I've got a bunch of Dennis's dogs out here, and um, he kind of got me set up with uh, Matt Turner and and John Gill, and those guys all have heavy Smoky River dogs. And, and so, you know, all those guys, it's hard work. I've kind of just got dogs from all of them, and the dogs I really like and have the characteristics I like. I just kind of been breeding them back and forth. I like a fast track dog and I like a dog with a good nose and brain and 
athletic dog. I want a dog that's going to be on a bear from daylight till dark if need be, you know, and, and, and have the steam to do it all day. Right. And I want to be able to go catch another bear tomorrow. So, I mean, I like an athletic dog. I mean, uh, they're kind of short-eared, long-nosed. We may be winching ourselves out of this hole. There's nothing to winch to here, so I know. hopefully not. Um, Just keep it in the middle. Yeah, keep her on the high ground, hopefully. Yeah. Except for later. That's a big hole. But uh, anyway, they're probably not the houndiest looking of the blue ticks by far, but I like an athletic dog before a pretty dog, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really care about ear spread or any of that stuff. I, I care more about an athletic dog that, that suits me, you know? But, I mean, they... Dogs aren't going to suit everybody. I mean, once you cut them loose, they're not going to come back and check on you. They're just going to go go find something. And they'll be there when you get there. Yeah, when you get, th- they'll be there when you get there. I mean, I've had places that treat lions and stuff. I couldn't get get in there and figure out how to get in there for over 24 hours, and they're still bellied up treed. You know, the voice isn't quite there anymore, but they're still there and waiting on me. So. That's good for old fat guy. <laughs> yeah, old fat guy. Sometimes it takes me a minute to get there. It 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 takes you a minute. It takes me a lot of minutes. <laughs> and and uh, I remember <laughs> the reason you got to have a high energy dog is because you're a high energy houndsman. And uh, the story I tell people a lot of times is is uh, when we were down in Springerville in the white mountains doing that uh sportsman for heroes hunt and remember lolo yeah yeah we hooked the up horn, a, the horn picker yeah the guy like the epic horn hunter he's, i think he's around 60 years old yeah and he's just he was fit i mean the guy was he spent every day in the mountains and and uh you could tell you could tell but yeah he was he, tough as a pine knot you could just tell yep so we we uh we went on that we met him he found he had found seen a bear and uh we went he said come on down i'll show you where it was at and he walks walks us up in there and i got separated because mongo was i don't remember he was trying to get back across the road or do something i don't know and i got behind and i got up halfway on that hill had no idea where you guys were and uh so I bailed on you. You guys had three or four guys with you, so I bailed and beat it back down to the truck. I knew where that was. So we went through that thing. We didn't catch bear on that, walked all the way through. But then later on, I mean, it wasn't 25 minutes later, and we got a rig striker, and and you made another epic walk. But I remember you grabbing leashes and grabbing dogs and run. I mean, running down this trail to get your dogs in there yeah <laughs> i'm like how can he be running right now we hiked a lot of miles that day but no i, I think you know i think uh, we did 20 yeah. i think you did 20 that day yeah. i probably did i probably did 12 to 15 on I, foot but you did you did a full 20 yeah. at least hiking in between canyons and stuff yeah. where you can't get road you know between roads and Trying to get into raspberry patches and get into bears that aren't getting rigged from the road and you kind of deal, you know. And, but um, 
but yeah, I know I I am kind of hardwired, and uh, I think my dogs definitely feed off me quite a bit because I I'm kind of I don't know excitable, I guess. Oh, you got to be. So you you got to be, and that's the thing. I like hunting with guys that are energetic, and uh, you know, you get some. You start hunting with a guy, you can feed off of that. You know. Yeah. It's important to have positive attitudes and and that no quit attitude when you're out here doing this stuff. If you get somebody that's whining and and dragging around and and uh, stuff like that, it just kind of takes it takes a wind out of everything. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, that's we're out in rough rough mountains and rough weather, and you know, you just got to have the passion and want to be out here and. If you're having a good time, then everybody else will have a good time. If you're kind of sore about being in the slippery, crappy snow, then it just kind of feeds off everybody, you know? So yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, it is pretty much a whiteout. You can see maybe 150 yards. I know. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. It's socked in I'm, big time. I'm thinking the bears are probably socked in, too. Yeah, they're probably hunkered in, sleeping in the snowstorm. You never know. I mean, the rut should be still kind of going on, mm-hmm. so there could be a more cruising, looking for a sow or those. Yeah. So tell us what it tell us what's like when the rut's on out here. Yeah, that you, know, you just get a lot of bears moving, coming and going, and you'll get some bigger bears that come in, you know, from wherever they come in from, you know, the back country or maybe even out of state. It's hard to say, but. You'll have your regular bears and regular bears and regular bears, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, look at this big joker. You know, where did he come from? You know, it's kind of it's kind of like the lions. You get a female that comes into heat. It's amazing. Like, overnight, it's like you've been hunting the same area over and over and over and over, and there's no big toms. And then you get a female or two that's, and then boom. Like, overnight, there they are. Like, where would you come from? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's there's not a road we haven't chopped up in the last month and there has been no sign of you you know now you're here so yeah and i think i mean i think that's how it works with most you know you see all these herds of elk 50 60 head and all these little raghorns and then as soon as the cows start coming into that your old next thing you know there's a couple mega bulls where'd they come from you know where, yeah where where they've been hiding at the whole time but, right right but no it it gets to be fun and it's kind of interesting because you you know you could have a bait and you bait and bait and you got all these boars and stuff coming and going all the time and then the elk calves start dropping and the fawns start dropping and I don't care what I'm feeding they just just walk away and start eating fawns I mean they'll come back and they'll drop a scat and little elk hooves or deer hooves in it and there's something about them the proteins or whatever they'll I mean whatever any kind of candy or meat scraps or whatever they just they just go out and look for fawns and calves to kill yeah i think it's a biological cycle they know what they need at different times yeah it's got to be something like that because yeah i mean i've tried to feed them as best i could feed them to keep them hold them tight and when that that time comes they just go and we've seen a few fawns and we've seen i've seen antelope fawns and saw an elk cow yesterday with a with a calf and White tails with does standing out with sunken inside, so you know that they just dropped a fawn somewhere. So it's probably getting right there. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of a lot of fawns and calves getting born right now. There's a pile of them. I seen a couple wobbly calves this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those. So I mean, them them big boars and stuff. They're gonna be out looking looking for some elk veal. Right, right. And the th- the thing about bear hunting in Idaho is baiting is still legal and as long as you follow the regulations there's pretty strict regulations around baiting in in Idaho distances off the road and different things like that but you know, it takes to to run a bait out here it takes some dedication oh yeah i mean you got to pack it plenty far off a road and it's heavy and Idaho steep i mean there's there's not really a whole lot of flat where you're going to be bear hunting right it's mostly vertical feet so like idaho's a small state but if, if you flattened it out and laid it across the map i mean the thing would be huge because <laughs> <laughs> the, the mountains are no joke it, they're steep yeah. yeah but it keeps you in shape it it offsets the huckleberry pie and the cookies oh yeah well it seems like i'm losing on the cookie thing i'm getting <laughs> getting a dad bog going on pretty hard <laughs> Yeah, when you sent me the when you sent me your waist size for your first light gear, I was kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that one, Larry. That might be a stretch, buddy. You better be planning on lose, losing a couple inches, maybe. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, be first light skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. But no, it's so. Back to your blue ticks, you know, how many how many generations, how, how many years? Let's start out with how many years you've been hunting this line of blue ticks. I think Jamie and I have had these dogs, this line, for about 16 years now. And we before that, we tried about everything. We had plots. And, well, we never had plots, but we had um, some black and tans and some other kind of blue ticks. And we've had walker hounds and red bones and all kinds of stuff so have you been hound hunting since you were a kid no uh been hound hunting for about 20 years is all mm-hmm. so still pretty wet behind the ears but uh always kind of wanted to do it and then but when i wanted to get into it like nobody would really ever want to help another houndsman they're like oh we got plenty of houndsmen we don't really need anymore <laughs> so uh I even got a short tail relative that had hounds and would never even take me. And I asked him some years later, I said, why wouldn't you ever take me? He goes, I figure if you really wanted it and it was in your heart, you'd get it, get it going and figure it out yourself and, and you've done good. So that's kind of a valuable, that's kind of an interesting thought process. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like youth, youth seasons. You know, I'm all about getting kids in, involved and in, in doing these youth hunt events and doing different stuff like that. But I really feel like as a community as a whole, we're kind of missing the mark. You know, you we're setting everything up for them. I'll give you an example. We had a, we, we had a youth program that we started with the Hoosier Tree Dog Alliance. 
and you get all these people that come out and they're like, oh yeah, I'll be involved and we can we can do all this epic stuff and we'll we'll get these prizes and we'll do this and we'll and all these volunteers are just running themselves ragged and the kids don't have to do anything except show up. Right. Yeah. And so I said, we need to form a youth committee and let them learn how to do this. They need to understand the work that goes into this for what they're doing and how they, you know, it doesn't just magically happen. There's work involved and there's people that are invested in them and, and we can mentor them because they're eventually going to have to be the people that are doing those sort of things. And how are they going to learn it if we don't make them carry their load, you know, during during the youth events? And and we we'd done that a couple times, and and it seemed like the kids enjoyed it more, and they had more satisfaction. And now some of those kids are, you know, in their twenties, and they're leaders in their in their clubs or their communities. If they stuck with they stuck with hounds better than. I think the success rate, I wish somebody would do a study and see what the success rate is of the continuation. And, and that's just for, you know, that's competition type hunting type stuff. But even with general hunting stuff, you, uh, dad goes out and he sets up the turkey blind and he, you know, he does the scouting and he spends, he puts the game cameras out and he does all these things. And then opening day comes and he's got the, the shooting rest set up and really the, the only thing the kid has to do is show up and pull the trigger yeah no for sure like out here in idaho though you see a lot of dads and kids and you know little kids packing bait i mean i'm able to pack a whole lot but i mean they they're all putting in something yeah you know i mean and it's neat to see like you'll see a whole family and they might be just bait sitters you know but they're but they're all involved and they're all working together and doing stuff as a family. Like little kids are packing little tiny ice cream buckets of bait, you know. Yeah, nobody gets a free ride. No, it, and it and it's cool. It's cool to see that here. Yeah. Yep. You know, the whole it's a whole family tradition. You know, and hopefully, hopefully it all gets to stay. Yeah, I th- I think it seems like I've been on this kick lately, but, you know, we talk about the pendulum of hunting in our culture, and I think we have seen it swing as far as we can. And, oh, we got us a little strike maybe. A little bump, I wonder. A little bump, I don't see a track. Who was that, Jack? That was Jack. He's pretty, pretty legit usually. I'm surprised he outstruck my plot. <laughs> oh, he's striking on deer tracks, Larry. No, I didn't see any deer tracks. I'm just kidding. He could be. Maybe just let me know he's still there. I don't know. Oh, we hit this switch back. He might catch it a different different angle. Yeah, I'm not sure how the thermals are working in the snow. Yeah, and of course I left my the trick you taught me, the wind checker. I left it left it in my bino harness which is back in my truck of course because we were in a rush you show up you show up at 6 30 running around i see you pulling the driveway and you're running around the truck and i was like did you get rained out heck yeah man let's go we'll light them up <laughs> uh yeah if i'm not working i'm gonna be in the woods no matter how crappy the woods are if it's yeah. raining rain snow and sleeting i don't care i mean 
if you don't go, you don't get them. That's just how it is, you know. Right. Probably right. odds are probably slim about getting anything up and rolling today, but it's way slim if I just sit at the house. Yep. Yep. So I got lots of days to sit at the house. There's only one guarantee. One guarantee in honey, and being a houndsman is, you're not going to catch game sitting on the couch. Hundred percent. No, not unless you have one heck of a nice piece of property. <laughs> <laughs> just open the kennel door and and uh, watch your garment, right? Yeah. I'll just watch this. I watch lonesome. I watch this this series of lonesome dove until my dogs get treed. <laughs> Yeah. Some of the hounds I've owned, you could. You, I think you could run through the whole. You could run through the whole series, and you'd never have to get up. Yeah, I've, I've had a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think we all have at some point. Yep. How many? Uh, how many generations have have you and Jamie? Uh, how many generations of pups have you guys bred? Tell us a little bit about the the no tell them no tell them breeding method here. Well, we're just, I don't know how many generations, but there's been quite a quite a lot, I guess. Jamie could tell you. She, I mean, Jamie could tell you every day, that every dog's birthday, and probably about the dang time they were born. Like 706, and that one was 710, and that one was 715, and that one didn't come out until 9 a.m. or whatever. I mean, she, I don't know how she remembers it all, but she, don't, she, 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 didn't, she never forgets a hound birthday. She didn't write it down? No, no, she's just got it in her head. No, she don't. Yeah, she don't. She don't have it written down. I mean, we got papers on them all, you know. But I was going to ask you about that here in a second. About but she, uh, no, she just remembers. Like she's a numbers person. But uh, we just breed family line of dogs, and I like breeding the Upson line into the like the Ellis Blue Gem line. You know that Matt Turner and and. Uh, John Gill and them, them guys back east have. They're super fast track dogs, and but they're. There's we a, got a box shaker. Man, I wonder which way the wind's coming out of. We got a strike, folks. Well, there's got to be one here somewhere. I'm going to probably put a couple dogs down and see what we got. Yep. Because it's. Uh, Something's going What's on. What's that? What are the plot liquors doing back there? Eating my dog box, trying to get out. Are they? Yeah. yeah good deal. Yeah, let's turn a couple loose. See okay. Turn up. All right. I let's see, see what no we get. Tracks, but. All right. I'm going to stop the recording right here. All right. So back at it. The wind's doing weird stuff. Yeah, it's kind of in a box canyon. It's coming up and down and all around, but. I'm sure we bumped a bear pretty hard right there, or a lion, but it could be it could be at the bottom of this canyon. The way the no tracks, there it looked like an old snowed-in bear track right there. Honestly, right here. I mean, it's snowed way in. Uh, sliding off this hill here. Yeah. Yep. Oh, look at that. I mean, that that looks. Yeah, I mean it's it's way snowed in, but yeah, but it's uh probably wasn't a lot of snow up here yesterday. No, no snow yesterday. It's been snowing all night. Yeah, it's either I don't know for sure. I think it's a I think it's a young bear. Yeah, looks like one that'll give us a run. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honda 90 right there. Hard to see how far he is. Yeah. Pretty snowed in. But. We were uh, we were talking about your your blue ticks and the way you guys are. So what are some of the things that you, you breed for, Larry? Well, I like athletic ability, pretty much one of the most important. I like brains. I like them, you know, to think. Another box shaker right there. They're catching that thing from somewhere. We only went about 150, 200 yards. Well, let's go up around the corner. I mean, they're hitting hard, but be nice to see a tracker. Right. I mean, that bear's definitely here someplace. Hope we can get him lined out, but. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, uh, like, I think that was just it was just snow that fallen off a tree. Yeah, plop plop. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like. I mean, I like a good nose, and most I like athletic ability. Uh, I mean, I like round bears way more than I like lions. So I kind of breed more geared towards rigging dogs. And how important is know. grit to you? So a lot of people, you know, we talk about grit a lot. How important is it? Well, I mean, I, I like a gritty dog. I mean, I like a dog that's going to get in there and, and work. Uh, and I've I've put probably maybe a little more effort into the grit than I probably should have because I'm kind of getting to the point where um, I think I'm just breaking the threshold of the right amount of grit. I mean, it, it's all fun and games, you know, to have a lot of grit and then your dogs are tore up and, you know, so I think it's, I need to back off on the grit department. I mean, I like grit. I mean, I like, I'm a sore loser, I guess. So I like catching what I turn out on. Right. And uh, if if the bears aren't having a good time on the ground, they're going to find a tree. Mm -hmm. But if they're just back cheerleading and, and doing, you know, if they're not even getting close, it, you'll still catch them nice, easy little bears, but... If you're gonna have success on bears, you you need you need some hair pullers. You don't need cheerleaders. But so I I probably have put more effort into grit than I'm kind of getting to the point where I need to kind of maybe back off which, a little bit. Which dog have you got that's uh, you would consider your grittiest dog? Yeah, Jack. Jack, he's he's a little overzealous, and you know he's got scars all over him. But um, and he's usually really smart, but. You get into some of this deep snow and stuff like that, and they just don't get out of the way in time. But um, but Jack is Jack's a force. Um, his mom Dixie, she came from Dennis Ups, and she she was a wicked gritty dog, like wicked gritty. But I mean, you know, Dennis put forty years of his life into breeding for. What we got smart. going? Down. What kind of track? Deer track? I think in? it's a Snowden deer track there. Well, it's got to be a deer. The dogs are striking hard on it. Yeah, look at the plots. If they're striking, then it's probably a deer. Yeah, they're being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Trashy blue dogs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, my my heart's in the running bears. I mean, like, if you get good snow like this, I mean, you can catch lions with the, with the if you had a good poodle, you'd be catching some lions. Right. You know, I mean, when the snow conditions are perfect, it's pretty easy. But, you know, you get 
weather patterns that are tough. It's it's nice to have a dog that can work some dirt, and go across south facing slopes that are burned off and stuff like that. So I like to keep keep nose, especially when I'm line guiding. Like kind of if I find a track, I need to kind of catch it for the client. So I need to be able to work dry ground and south facing slopes and. Yeah, you and you've, you've bear hunted from all the way out of here in Idaho. What's farthest east you've bear hunted? Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, what's the difference in hunting out here and hunting in Wisconsin? Well, here our, our weather's a lot nicer. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. You know, it's, uh, well. Usually, it is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's you know, cold in the morning, it warms up in the afternoons and stuff, but. Like Wisconsin, you just wake up, man. It's hot. It's humid. It's it's flat, you know, but it's swampy. It's it's growing. got its own. It's got its own challenges. Oh, do you need a different type of dog? No, nah, no. I mean, that's where my dogs mostly came from. Is Wisconsin, right? Um, but I don't know. Wisconsin's different. I mean, you gotta have a dog that likes water and swamps and. But I mean, the thing is, oh, is we you got there deer track. Deer, you get a, you get bear scent in their nose, and they just go. It doesn't really matter what country you're in. Yeah. If if they got the heart and want the desire, they'll go. Yeah. Looks like we're gonna be getting the chainsaw out again. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing I filled that thing up before we left. When we get back to town, is there a steel dealer in town? I got a file someplace. I'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sharpen it, otherwise you're going to keep hounding me about it. <laughs> you get the file, and I'll sharpen it for you. That's uh, how much. Yeah. <laughs> this one's a green one, so it might take a minute. Yeah. I'll push the pause. All right. Back at it. I'm telling you what, if you don't sharpen that saw tonight, I'm just going to hand catch a beaver <laughs> and put it in the truck. Hold them down, make them chew. Yep, yep. Uh, Your game's up and moving around a little bit. Those yeah. are pretty. Those are pretty fresh deer tracks there. Yeah. Yeah, they were snowed in a little bit. But there's about what is there seven or eight inches of snow up here? Yeah, there's by seven eight inches. Of, this would be good good puppy training for lion hunting. That's what be, I'm looking for. We could puppy training for a fresh freshy bear track. Yeah. Yeah. So will the bears stay up high in this? I mean, are they going to move low? And yeah, they're just they're just wherever they are right now. I mean, wherever they are is where they are. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to not going to change what they're doing just for this little bit of squall. <laughs> no, I mean they're they're used to right right they, right now. They're just living where they're living. The cells are where they're at, and the birds are not far behind them. And, I imagine they're probably hunkered in somewhere, but it quit snowing, so who knows? Maybe they'll get up and cruise around looking for something to so, eat. I don't something know. to chew on. Hard to say, but. Yeah. But, no, I mean, you know, my dogs, they, they can be a little bit rammy, a little hot. You know, fish, if you run bear all summer, the first few lion races in the Speaking of which. Faller. Pretty interesting. Oh, it's a deer track. They can be pretty interesting. They can miss a lot of corners. They want to run fast the head on the fly. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that adjustment from, from you know, ramming bears all summer when you have to 
switch over to Lions? What's that like? I mean, the first couple chips is just like it's almost embarrassing. Like you don't want to <laughs> – you definitely don't want to take a client out lion hunting and you're going to be like, what in tarnations? Are these dogs even going to catch anything? Yeah. Because they, they're all wound up tight and they and they want to run and, they, and they're looking for the action, you know. And so the first couple races are always – just interesting you know they they miss a lot of corners and it takes them 10 times long to catch a line as it should and, uh, how long does it take you to get them dialed back in just a couple of races and then they're like oh it's winter time we're back to gearing down and slowing down and paying attention and you know and then they just they just file right back into where they were but the few the first few is just like I said, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is, you know. I mean, and and they're hot, they're naturally kind of hot dogs. I mean, they they want to run and 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 that's kind of how I've kind of been working with the breeding. I I want a dog that's athletic and wants to run, like really wants to go, you know. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, first and foremost, I like catching bears more than I like lions. So I put more effort into the bear aspects than I have the lions. Yeah, yeah. So getting back to the grit, grit thing, it seems like that uh, you know you get you get two plots you're going to be hunting all summer, and uh, it seems like grit is something that plot breeders talk a lot about. But we kind of had a conversation about you know east versus west and i like your opinion on it what do you think what are you thinking let's kind of rehash that conversation a little bit on the on the amount of like this country and territory or yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I think this open country i think dogs can get a lot more speed and steam and circle a bear and work them a lot easier per se than places that are just wicked thick and you know a bear can back into a briar bush or whatever and the dogs can't really get around it's right it's just a frontal kind of thing and yeah like out west here i mean we do have some thick country but it's not it's not thick like wisconsin it's not thick like you know the virginia stuff you know i mean i've never been out to virginia but i've seen videos and, and talked to folks out there that are real bear hunters and stuff and i think I think we have it kind of made out west because it's. I mean, we we definitely have some thick, crappy spots. But. Well, you, I think every it's like Shorty Gorms said when we recorded a podcast with him. Every place has its challenges. Every single place. I mean, here it's. Um, it's wicked steep. Yeah, you know, wicked, wicked like rock slides and shale slides. I mean, they just you know that's how Jack broke his foot. I mean, he was going across the shale slide on a bear and. The rock started rolling and crushed his paw and broke his foot. You know, I mean, right? Uh, you know, that we, and no matter where you're at, there's definitely tough conditions. Laurel like, thickets, thorough, laurel thickets in the you know western North Carolina mountains are uh, are a lot different than than what you have here. If we get down in some of the low country, I mean, you've got some pretty thick stuff down in some of this low country, but up here high, you know, I can see. 150 yards 
pretty you know see the ground 150 yards out there and you just don't get that in north carolina but right i guess what i'm getting at is is there aren't any easy bears there there aren't any easy bears anywhere because it's just a deal where uh if the bears aren't everything's got its challenges is what i'm trying to say oh yeah i know most likely i mean most definitely i mean it's whether you're in steep country or just blow down jungles that dead tipped over you know lodgepole stands or whatever i mean there's always hard no yeah. matter where you go but well, I, I think out west you have we're spoiled because we can oh, the dogs can really circle up a bear and work a bear mm-hmm. and make his life not good you know but like in wisconsin man some of that stuff is just wicked thick they just back into it same way the laurel thicket they back into you know up against a a good laurel bush and dogs basically have you know just a couple options to get in there to work them and yeah the receiving end yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no yep. for sure so yeah but yeah it's interesting because i think a lot of times um i've heard it said and there's a lot of there's a lot of emphasis put on grit back east you know to the point that that uh i'll just say it i mean the two plots i have back here are are gritty you know they're but they lack they lack some of the locating ability i'd like to see right um and i think that is just lack of exposure once they get some more bear races under their belt they're super super wicked smart you know mike collie's been breeding this line of plots for years and i'm not i'm i've been very happy with them they've just got a lot of tools to work with and but I don't think I, I don't think you're going to be um, lacking the grit. We got another box shaker. That's kind of wrapped around the other side of where we were. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, the way these thermals are and the way the snow is, I don't really want to go too hiking too far unless we get one rolling. <laughs> right. Yeah, we need to see a track crossing this road. Neither one of us brought our gators. Have you got your gators? Uh, I might. I actually, I probably got a couple pair because I I usually got a couple pair behind the seat in case clients don't bring them or don't want them or until we actually are out hunting and then they're like, oh man, I see why you need gators. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll be I'll be borrowing a set. Yeah, I'm sure if I dig around in this truck, I'll find us a couple pair of gators. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited about them plots and give them a try and work them this summer and. Uh, See how they go. Yeah, and I'm excited to leave them out here with you because, you know, it's it's one of those deals, Larry. I mean, we've hunted hunted the Swan a couple times. We hunted Springerville. We're hunting bear here now. We talk all the time. You know, it, it, I think it's important that that guys make contacts. It's just it's it's good to have good friends, and I uh, yeah, I appreciate sure. your friendship. I really do. I mean. I've had a blast every time I've hunted with you, and and uh, I think if I told you I wouldn't leave until August, you you might cringe a little bit, but you'd be okay with it. Yeah, no, you're more than welcome anytime. <laughs> no, you're you're always welcome. You're you're a good friend, and and uh, always have a good time, even if we're not catching cats because the weather's rainy and crappy. But we we get out, we have a good time, and, and that's a huge part of of hound dogging, really. I mean. Just getting out with the dogs and enjoying company from a 
fellow houndsmen and friendship and and uh if you if you get something you get something treat it's icing on the cake if you don't well we had a great year the first year in the swan oh yeah i know it, it was uh just the snow conditions were good and the cat movement was good and, it was uh, it was belly button deep and and oh. uh cats had to move to to eat and, and feed and and then we had scotty too hotty to break trail for us yeah we that last cat we treated down Holy in that, that swamp bottom there, and we stepped in that beaver slide, and <laughs> I mean, shit, we were I disappeared. Up, up to our armpits, you know, like just our heads sticking out. I mean, that would have been a cool picture if somebody <laughs> would have been back, you know. It's like, look at these guys. It's just their heads sticking out of a snowbank. Look you know? at these idiots. It'd be more like it. Look oh, at yeah. They're going in there following hounds, and they did this. They they volunteered to do this. Yeah, yep. for sure. And and if, we were, if somebody told us that was our job, we'd be like, mm, no. I don't think so. Nah, I'm not gonna do that. Well, we're gonna get turned around here because I pass this. It's pretty much roadless, and the one road that it does go in without tire chains. If we got a dog going that way, we'd be we'd be going all the way back to town to get a set of chains. So yeah, like you say that real casual. Like we'll be going all the way back to set of yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're you're saying if the truck's not stuck, if we're not stuck and and buried burying the truck, and we buried some. We've buried some stuff a couple times. Oh, we've buried a lot of stuff and broke a lot of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, we buried the side-by-side of tracks twice. I mean, bad, bad. Like the one. Yeah, the time you about cut my head off with, with the, the winch. Yeah, yeah, that was that was epic. And I knew but that was much my fault. I knew better than to be standing where I was standing. And I knew when you, you took the angle you took with that winch cable. I was suspicious right then. I was like, oh, that's a pretty steep angle to be trying to winch something out. But we really didn't have a lot of other options. Yeah, there wasn't a lot to pick from there. No. Nope. kind of – and the crappy thing you find out later, there was two dead – there was two logs yeah, laying we there. Found them the, this, we found them this winter. Yeah, and there was two – so there was two trees laying there, and the track was between the two trees. Yeah. And so it was wedged in there, but it was so much snow that we couldn't – you couldn't see to see what we were jacked up on and – this year, it's like, oh, no wonder why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no wonder why it was such a pain in the butt to get it out of, you know, and that's why we broke the cable and everything else because we were stuck between two trees. But. Yeah, and then, we're, then we're tr- we get past that. We get up over the top, and you're like, oh, man, this snow's deep. This snow's, snow's deep. I've, I've never got this thing stuck before. Um, but, man, this snow's deep. And then we just let off the – you let off the gas a little bit, and that sucker sat right down on the skid plates, and we were done. Yeah. That, yeah, you get them tracked up side by side, stuck. It's uh, – It was an epic dig, man. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's for real. How I deep got, was that? I've got pictures of it. I don't know. It was probably close to five feet, I think. I, I don't know for sure. It was. We uh, dug it all the way down to the – till we saw grass. and. Yeah, it was uh, – it was way bad. And then, like you say, we hit her hard one time, and you came out of it. Yeah, hit her hard one time. <laughs> uh, and then we, then we got the truck stuck last year, this past winter, up in the, I don't remember which, where were we up, Hunts Creek? Lion Creek. Lion yeah. Creek, yeah. It's just hard because it's freezing and thawing and freezing and thawing, you know, 50-something oh. degrees in the day, and then gets rock hard frozen at night, and then. You get those layers of crust and the ice underneath, and that's really it, the only time I've ever seen you seen you mad when we, when we stuck that truck. It was, uh, and I think it was a combination of things. The dog's feet were cut up from the couple tracks we did try to run, and the weather wasn't cooperating, and 
and just some other things going on there and, and uh slid that truck off the road and yeah we slid it off and i centered on that the bank you know like the uh the actual the shoulder and uh actually i, I smashed my oil pan and uh oh you did flashed my yeah it uh flat my oil pan a little bit and then it broke the seal and so I didn't realize you did all that. Yeah, I didn't either. So I went to get my oil changed, and the guy's like, hey, uh, you kind of got a shitty leak under your truck. Your oil pan's <laughs> leaking pretty bad, and I'll change your oil, but I don't know how long it's going to stay in there. But luckily, I guess it was cold enough. It didn't burn up nothing. But, uh, but yeah, no, I got a brand-new oil pan and all that good stuff underneath here from that from <laughs> from that little adventure. This goes, this goes back to prove my point that I always say, don't buy a used truck from a bear hunter. Any hound dogger, man. Yeah. I, I mean, any hound dogger that's hunting. I mean, if if you got Idaho or Montana pinstriping all over your truck, definitely don't want to be buying no truck from no hound guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll see I'll see a rig on on the uh, advertised on the internet, and I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'm staying way, way, way away from that vehicle right there. Yeah, yeah Duke's a hazard. They don't have nothing on a on a bear dogger. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I think uh, I don't know how long we've been recording for, but you got anything you want to tell the hound world? The Houndsman XP podcast is the most listened to podcast. We're the first, the original, and the most listened to. And uh, uh, it kind of started when you when i was in montana with you the first time we were, remember we were working on it we talked yeah. about it then yeah talking about it then and now it's uh it's way cool the, the houndsman podcast and um where i live I, there's no cell phone service there's no internet there's no i can't even pick up a country western on the radio i can't get and so for me it's awesome i just download all the podcasts and then you know cook some dinner and listen to podcasts and you don't even have tv no right uh, now. yeah there's nothing i mean I sit on the porch and listen to the river and listen to uh houndsman xp podcast and um you've had a lot of cool people on your podcast and uh, a lot of valuable information it's came you know on uh shoot them feeding 3020 dog food now and i never really gave it much thought before i mean dog food's dog food you know as long as it's decent you know your dogs aren't gonna die but uh you feed them you know it just makes sense to feed them better food than and it's just you, there's a lot to learn from your podcast and it's and i think it's helpful for a lot of people to listen to and take the bits and pieces that you want want and throw the rest out the window you know but i mean at least it, that information and and views from other helmsmen are out there, and it, I think it's a pretty pretty cool thing. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and and I've always appreciated you and Jamie. I mean, you guys have been supporters of the podcast for a long time, and and uh, telling people about it from ordering T-shirts to to um, you know your Patreon supporters now and just i really appreciate all the support and the friendship you've given us and uh, you know one thing about i did find a book in your house and uh kind of piqued my interest i found the book called scent 
by Richard Syrituck. Right. Yeah. Ken, uh, Dr. Persall and maybe Syrituck what wrote uh, Sin and the Sinning Dog, but Persall definitely was a contributor on the scent scent book. Where did you where did why did you pick that book up? Was that from the podcast? I believe it was. Yeah, I've got quite a few different hound books there. Um, you know, just to read and and try to learn. You know, I've just learned on my own and kind of a free, you know, a free spirit out here in the woods and, and reading to learn my dogs. But I think there's knowledge out there that's being shared if we just pick it up and look and read and and, uh, and maybe. You, I think all of us houndsmen can learn something. That's the coolest thing about be, doing the podcast is I get to learn. I get to le- I learn stuff from every person that I go hunt with. Sometimes it's learning what not to do, but sometimes it's, you know. Well, yeah, that's half of it there. I mean, trial and error. Yeah. And and we make we make uh I think we make better progress on our learning when we do make some mistakes and uh but I learned something from everybody I hunt with, you know. It, I don't care if a guy's 26 years old and he's been hunting for 10 years, you know. I've been hunting almost hunting hounds for almost 40. But you can always pick something up if you're not closed-minded. And, and uh, you know, it just – there's no sense in being closed-minded in this thing. No. It, there's just – there's lots to learn. Like, scenting conditions is just one of the most bizarre things, you know. Like – this winter we had a brand new lion track with a tom and a female and and you know it was fresh snow overnight but it was bitter cold i mean it was i don't know by negative five maybe ten i don't know it was cold and the snow was squeaky and it was the track was probably only like maybe seven eight hours old it was brand new like any dog should have ran it right but the dogs wouldn't even look at it we came back about five hours later and it was about 30 degrees and the dogs ran it like, like this did cross the road, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, and then they had it treed in an hour, you know. I mean, but several hours earlier, they they just looked at me like I was stupid, you know. It's sitting conditions are just just weird sometimes. Have you, you know? got and to read that book scent, book called Scent yet? I've just barely started reading it, but I will uh, read it from front to cover and and see what I can pick up, you know. And, and see what I can learn, and it really dives into the uh, kind of the biological side. Gotcha. You know the how it works. You know, you already knew. You came back and tried it. In your opinions, okay. So let's let's talk. I want to know what your opinion is of why your dogs ran that five hours after you originally found it when it was like squeaky, brand new, shiny track. Yeah, I think it was just froze down. I mean, it had some hoar frost in it, and um, I think it was just froze down, just too cold, too frozen. What do you call it? What kind of frost? Hoar frost. Are we allowed to say that on the podcast? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably not the most politically correct. So you've done. Uh, you, we've done pretty good. Not too. I've terrible. got one spot. I gotta. I gotta edit out. When you about slid us off the mountain, but other than well, that, that was your potty mouth, not mine. <laughs> uh, no, I, but no, it's just interesting. I mean, it's just stuff that you learn over time. Like, so you think that you think that track was frozen in, and then once once just that little bit of 
Was it sunny that day? I'm kind of interested. Yeah, no, yeah, it got it, it cleared off. It was wicked clear, and that's why it got so cold, bitter cold. But then the sun came out and started melting the snow, and was actually kind of slushy. Yeah, and the dogs just fired out of there. I mean, like like shot them out of a cannon. I mean, they yep. just just fogged the track, and like I said, like an hour. I mean, boom, done, treed. Right. You know, and in right. the morning, and uh, they just they wouldn't even look at it. If you read, the, I'm not going to spoil it. I think I've got a, I think I've got a theory. And it's not like I'm the guru by any means. I've just uh, cracked a book here and there and had some experience with sending dogs and working dogs as a canine handler, stuff like that. But we'll talk about it. read the book and then and then uh, we'll talk about your theory again and see what you think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. But that's what I'm. That's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Is man, the, you know. You don't always have to watch a, a YouTube video, a, a two-minute video of, of a guy catching a bear. And I, I love all those videos. You know, my buddy Calvin Redhouse put some awesome videos up. and He's and, a wicked videographer, man. He's way good. Yeah, and yeah. I love it. And it's cool, great cool. for exposure. Yeah. But every once in a while, we got to learn why it's going on. Learn, And I I think it will up your success rate and it'll, it'll connect it'll connect some dots that's what i'm trying to say you know because if we come out here in trial and error it's like we learn a lot but man when you can when you can dial that in and and kind of know exactly what's going to happen you know what if what if you'd have found that frozen in track and you would have decided to spend three hours walking the track out and trying to get your dogs into it and and you know, you you could have wasted a lot of time and a lot of energy on that. Whereas, whereas when you know what's going to happen, you're like, eh, we'll come back and try that later. And th- that's all based on experience from your vast experience of being out here and doing it at time and time again. Yeah, my brother-in-law's with me. He's just like, we're not going to walk this track out. I'm like, we're way back here in the side-by-side. Side. Nobody else has even been around. So we'll just keep, cho- you know, chopping country up and see what else we can find. And then... Once it warms up, we'll go back and put the dogs back on him. And he's just like, that don't make sense. And I'm like, it don't, but that's what we're going to do. And right. And we went back, and he's just like, oh, be golly, look at that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he goes, it's like the line just ran across the road, and we know we found it at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, and here it is 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and you know, like I said, like an hour, man, boom, done, treed. And we ended up treating it like 100 yards off the – the main road you know? yeah yeah <laughs> so it was like a five minute walk to the tree you know? oh those are you great know? yeah <laughs> I, mean, just, I want lazy bears and short running lions that's what i like yeah that's perfect yeah yeah and lots of them lots of them yeah so i mean you take stuff like that like when i started hunting i was a lot of the old timers that i hunted with and stuff they knew that sort of stuff about scenting conditions and and what their dogs could run and what they couldn't run and I guess I'm a why guy, you know, why can't they do it? And then when I started, when I went through canine training uh, for the state, they started talking about these theories of scent. And I remembered what some of the old timers told me. And I thought, oh, that's why. But they had found out just by trial and error. And they've put dogs on, you know, tracks like that. And back east, you know, you see a coon across the road and, and you want to, you're tempted just like, dump the box you know let's get that pup get a pup out and they run around like they've never done anything in their life losing their minds and and the old timers will tell you you don't need to dump out on that track you know go up the road 
turn around, give it a few minutes, and then you can run the track. But if you see it cross the road nine times out of ten, your pup's not – or an old dog is not going to be able to run it. But if you give that time – but why – the thing that I think we miss is – and I've heard even seasoned houndsmen talk about this. They think the scent comes from that foot track, and that's just not the case. It, it comes from their whole body. You know, it's a living organism that comes off of the body – and we have it. Dogs have it. Every living thing has it. Right. It's, it's uh, and and when you can understand some of that, then it it makes sense. And I like things to make sense. I guess I'm I'm just hardwired that way. Right. So why well, things work the way they do? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Well, hey, I don't know what else we're going to do besides record podcasts. But if we don't find a bear track. Yeah, kind of limited without chains. It's just kind of a monkey mess up here. But So far, so good. Other than one almost slide off into the abyss of... That tree would have stopped us, though. Yeah, but I think we still would have been on, on our side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all good, though. I mean, it is what it is. Yep, yep. Well, Larry, I'm glad to be out here with you and and spending some time we're gonna have a good week of of hunting i'm glad you ditched work today to come out here and ride around and and uh we'll give it we'll we'll give her our best effort here yeah i know i'll just keep bouncing around and just see what we can turn up i mean nothing else to do besides hunt yep yeah i wouldn't have it any other way anyway so we could do something like put new metal on your building that sounds like work. <laughs> I like this better, too. I like this better, too. There'll, there'll be better days to do some metal work. Yeah, I hear you. Than when it's snowing and raining and stuff dripping off the roof and, and all that. So Right, right. Well, Larry, if we get up here and the plot lickers decide to hit a bear track, it's hard telling what you're going to get. You're going to have fun hunting these two dogs. This, no, I think I will. They're They're easy to be around, and they're... The nice, kind-hearted dogs, and they'll make. So, yeah. The reason the reason I shave my head is because I got tired of pulling my hair. <laughs> so you're gonna they're gonna try they're gonna try your patience just like every young dog will, and and. Uh, but while I'm out here, Larry, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. Sounds good. <laughs>